name is Jordan Lytle, and this is the Collected Nonsense Podcast, a podcast about mostly music and games, but uh, my co-host and I may get off onto other topics. Um, speaking of co-hosts, uh, I have here with me a musician and composer, Zachary Bruno. Zachary, how are you doing? Good. So why don't you introduce yourself and uh, uh, tell us a little bit, tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and who you are and what you do. Okay. Um, I'm Zachary Bruno. I'm 20 years old, and I really love music a lot, so I like to make it and uh, just really just play around with um, composing my own melodies and any random stuff that comes into my head. Cool. And uh, if people want to listen to your music, where can they find it? Um, you can pretty much find me online on iTunes. You can just search for Zachary Bruno. Um, or on my website at ZacharyBrunoMusic.com. Cool. I guess I should probably introduce myself as well. Um, I'm Jordan. I'm 19, and I'm a computer programmer. Um, I work with uh, handheld scanners and uh, also uh, inventory systems. So if you've ever bought bread or bought something from Quick Trip, uh, you've the products that you've used have probably touched some code that I've worked with at some point. Um, I have a very strong interest in gaming and game design, and that's where I'd like to be in the future, but for now I'm just a programmer. So, um, so Zachary, what have you been doing this week? Uh, lately, I've been working at Starbucks, and... On my free time, which I happen to have like a whole day today to just kind of chill and make music. So I've been on the computer um, just like working on a new ambient track. Um, I try to release one of those every week. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. Um, I don't think I've actually heard that. Where is that on SoundCloud? Or? It's, uh, yeah, um, I have a, I'm actually... I have a SoundCloud account um, dedicated to kind of like my kind of side projects in sound design and, and electronic music because when I first started off, I'd just been doing solo piano all this time. And so I didn't really want to like, I kind of wanted to put it under a separate name and not kind of, not mar, but like change my direction, so to speak. And when I didn't really want to know um, what I was what I was going to do, um, in terms of musical direction. So I just made a, like a separate SoundCloud account and put, just kept posting like random tracks that I made just for fun. But yeah. Cool. I'll have to go listen to it. I've, uh, listened to your piano albums, but, uh, and those are very good, but I haven't listened to Thanks. any of your electronic stuff yet. I don't think. Yeah. It's, um, it's just on a kind of a separate SoundCloud account called Koi Reef. And I guess it's K O I Reef R E E F, um, and you probably can find it on SoundCloud. Nice. All right. So um, this week I've been mostly working as usual, but uh, <laughs> tonight I had the chance to sit down with a couple of friends of mine and uh, just talk for a few hours. It was really nice. Uh, we talked about a lot of theology and current events, and it was a good discussion. Sweet. Yeah. But uh, there's n not really been a whole lot going on. 
but I have been listening to some music, listening to um, a lot of the Gaslight Anthem and some Bruce Springsteen. Nice. It's good stuff. What have you been listening to? Um, let's see. Really just a bunch of everything. Uh, I kind of like to keep the music that I listen to upbeat, especially when I go for runs in the morning. So, um, but aside from, from run, running and stuff, um, really just all sorts of kinds of music. Um, I, th- I think I shared with you, Jordan, um, the song Hero by Family of the Year. And uh, that, that song, is, I heard about it probably a couple weeks ago. It's, it's kind of cool. Um, it's really out of the genre that I tend to listen to. But it just connected with me and in a weird way. Um, so that was, that's, that's a pretty cool song. Yeah, I need to go listen to it again. That's a good song. Uh, what specifically do you like about it? Um, I think it's, it's very cool in, in many, uh, many regards. It's just like, there's a lot of uh, parts of the song that repeat. Um, it's not like a standard structure. Um, like in general, when you're writing a song, you kind of want to have a lot of people strive to have the standard verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, and and such. Um, but this song just kind of breaks out of that mold, and it, it's really successful. So for me, it's really cool. Um, it's just a really cool model of you know you don't really have to like fit in the mold and and try to. Um, make something and repeat what somebody else has done just to try to be successful. It's really just, you know, you, you write something that touches you and, and, you know, if it touches others, great. And if it doesn't, you know, that's, that's why you write music just to kind of, for me anyways, just to, to write something that kind of helps me cope with whatever I'm going through and stuff. Yeah. Music is always better when people write for themselves or really any kind of art really need to create it because you want to create it and create what you want, the kind of media that you would want to consume. There there are people out there that create stuff just for their audience and don't take what they want to do into account. But I think from what I've seen, the best forms of art are the art that's created by people that are creating for themselves and creating art out of their own experiences and things that reflect their, uh, I guess, worldview. Yep. All right. So I guess one of the, speaking of song structure, um, one of the things I like about, or an interesting thing is I like Ga- the Gaslight Anthem a lot, um, but all of their songs almost use the same chord progression. Okay. And use, you know, it's usually G, E minor, C, D for the most part. Yep. But I'm always interested by the fact that all of the songs, even though they have that common thread through them, they all sound very different because of the way that the rest of the instruments come in. I mean, it's it's usually, uh, for the listeners who may not know who the Gaslight Anthem is, they're a, uh, I guess, alternative rock might be where it, what it's classified as. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's a rock band, so there's, it's multiple guitars, drums, occasionally piano or something like that, and a lead singer. And so most of what defines the structure of the song is the melody of the singer and the lead guitar, really. 
as well as the rhythm. But what's interesting is that even though it's using the same chord progression, the rhythm is always a little bit different, and the words and melody are different through each of them. So it's always, I can pretty much, it's one of the few bands I can put an entire album just on shuffle and listen to it start to end, or even not on shuffle, just listen to it start to end in one sitting just because it's so good. But a lot of that's just because I think the lyrics speak to me a lot. Yeah. And it's hard to find a lot. I don't find a lot of bands where the I, I like listening to the lyrics and what they're saying, not just the melody. But I find that a lot with uh, the, anything written by Brian Fallon, the lead singer of the Gaslight Anthem, and anything that he's worked on. I also like Brandon Flowers and all the stuff that he's done. And um, oh, for those of you who don't know, Brandon Flowers is the lead singer of The Killers. Uh, I did not know. And that. anything. Bruce Springsteen does is pretty good too. Yeah, I know it's like it's always it's always kind of cool when you find that one or two bands that just kind of resonate with you for some weird reason. Um, just everything they do, it's like it's it's so like pure and just it resonates. One of the things I've noticed, and I don't know if you've noticed this uh, in your musical taste, but a lot of the bands that I like the most, I have a very broad musical taste. So I'll listen to, you know, Bruce Springsteen and stuff like that. One minute I'll be listening to Frank Sinatra the next, or I'll be listening to maybe some rap, like a Christian rap, usually like Lecrae or something like that. Mm -hmm. I have a very diverse musical taste, but the stuff that I like the most tends to all have the same influences. So uh, yeah. I feel like the Gaslight Anthem has a lot of, it's very influenced by Bruce Springsteen. I feel like, Brian Fallon was also influenced by Bruce Springsteen. So a lot of the sound of a lot of the bands that I like comes from other bands that I like, or they all incorporate similar elements. And I don't know enough about, you know, musical production to be able to pinpoint all of those things. But there seems to be like a common thread that runs through all of that. Everybody seems to be influenced by everybody else in that close circle of what tends to be my favorite music. Have you, Zachary, have you noticed uh, anything similar in your musical taste or? Um, that's a pretty good question. I haven't, I mean, there's obviously the, uh, for me, I, I mean, there's the relationship between Blink-182 and Reliant K, um, and as well as Owl City, which is my personal favorite, um, and they are, they're all interconnected. And I don't really I don't really listen to a lot of Blink-182, but I know that Reliant K is kind of something that, you know, occasionally I'll listen to. And they, I think Matthew Tiason is kind of a, a really great, he's a great singer and a great writer. I like a lot of their, their songs, but they're completely different in a way. I don't know. It's just, it's kind of, I think influences can run in different layers and, and like musically and lyrically and just uh, it's it's so like complicated but and yet a lot of the things that uh, I listen to now like the modern music was inspired by older music and I I can listen to that and still like it in in the same ways because they are influenced and it's kind of weird but yeah so yeah I, I do kind of notice that I always find it interesting how a lot of modern bands tend to like even bands that I don't listen to as much, like a lot of pop music and stuff like that, tends to take the sound of things from, you know, the eighties or older decades and almost 
change it and reinvent it for a new audience. So a lot of times you'll have new songs that are that sound very similar to old songs from the eighties or, I mean, I guess the eighties aren't that old, but they're older than me. So it's old. Uh, but it's always interesting how it's just bring, it's almost the same sound in some ways. What are your thoughts on that? So it's, you're just saying it's like the same, it's the same sound, but it's just modernized with, you know, new Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it evolves over time, but a lot of stuff, I mean, there are even songs, I can't remember the name of this one off the top of my head, but there's a, uh, a modern pop song that samples directly samples the melody from take on me i don't know if you've heard that song no that's a song from i think the 80s no but i can see that i i can, I can kind of see how um i mean now i i listen to a lot of i listen to quite a bit of pop not like a lot but a lot of some quite a bit of the music is could be considered pop music um i guess i mean it it kind of depends i there kind of is a line for me because there's there becomes like a a lot of the very 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 popular uh, pop music is either like completely lyrically a mess and doesn't really make any sense and is isn't very artful in my opinion or or it's really really good and um, it, there's not really that much of an in between so for me um, but yeah I mean I can see I can see that I can, I. I don't listen to a lot of old pop music just because it's not, I don't know, to me it sounds weird. There's a lot of reverb. I don't like that, but it's just me. Well, especially in the 80s, the production was not nearly at the quality that it is now. There was definitely a lot of reverb. and There are some really cool things with the sounds from previous times, but there are also some stuff where it's like, what were they thinking? (laughs) I, I don't even know. Yeah, but we'll probably look back like 10 years from now and say the same thing, right? Oh, I'm absolutely sure. Uh, I'm always curious to think what, think about what uh, songs and bands we're going to remember because I know yep. that it seems like music, old music, is so good and there's so much good music and why is music so bad now? But when you really think about it, a lot of there's a lot more music in the older decades that we just don't remember. Right. And so I I wonder if some of our view of the music from those decades is skewed by the fact that all we remember are the hits. True. Yep. Oh, you were talking about um, good modern music. Do you think that from what you've seen, the stuff that you would consider good in pop music or modern music is the stuff that's more original or the stuff that plays off of older sounds? Or is that a false dichotomy? Uh, I don't think there's, I really don't think anything's original. But uh, well, I mean, there's there's degrees of originality, right? I I'm pretty sure that everything's recycled. So I just think people, you know, it just things need to be said over and over again because people forget. So a lot of times, um, I think it's just it's just what you do, how much effort get, and there's a lot of effort that goes into pop music, especially the production side of things. And I think that can make up for any like bad lyrics or just bad singers, really. Um, so, um, but I think the, the the good stuff is really stuff that's from the heart. And uh, well, it could be. I mean, it it doesn't 
stuff that didn't have to be pop music like it could be produced another way maybe like folk or or country or something else and still be really really good that's just my personal opinion but i guess that's why covers are always interesting or not, not always interesting but can be interesting is because sometimes you know whether it's just a random person on youtube or an actual established artist they can take a song that was meant to be produced and played one way in one genre and played in another way and when it's still good it's really impressive and i think it shows yep how good both the artist that's playing it and the song are because some songs they can only ever be one genre and if you don't play it one specific way with one specific type of production it just doesn't sound good especially when you take stuff with lyrics that repeat in ways that don't really mean much or with melodies that are the same three or four notes repeated anything with a lot of repetition tends to only find its place in music where that is not important right yeah i can totally see that in pop music a lot and just yeah I mean, I think rap is kind of a good example of it's, you know, rap with an acoustic guitar in general, it's going to be a lot better than, or it, it would have to be a lot better than rap with a lot of, you know, beats and a lot of production. Well, arguably the beat and the rhythm is the main identifying factor of a rap song. I, mean, I don't know a ton about rap. I haven't listened to a lot of rap songs. I've listened to a few. But arguably, you could say virtually anything <laughs> over a good beat, True. and it would be a good song. Uh, it doesn't even have yeah. to be constructed well, necessarily, as like a rhyming lot of rap too songs or are good not. Of. I'm sorry, what? Like rhyming still or not? Uh, there are songs where it doesn't even rhyme, and the song's still good because of the beat. Yeah, well, that's true. Obviously, it's better if both what's being said is good and the melodies are good and the beat is good, but I would argue that the primary, uh, I guess, factor that influences how good a rap song is or not is the beat, and that kind of varies from genre to genre. Mm -hmm. So if the beat's just an acoustic guitar, then you just need to have a lot better content is what you're saying? Yes, I guess you have less to work with because you only have one instrument. You're not working with multiple drums and all that, but you could still do it. So I guess that that uh, causes me to think of another topic in this, or I guess a subtopic. In the music that you listen to, if you had to pick one element of the songs that you listen to that you think is the most important, whether it's rhythm melody harmonies singing lyrics what would you th say is the most important for you as a listener not or, or even as an artist mm. um i have to say the melody okay as much Why? well as much as everything else is important and when everything comes together, it's it's really amazing. Um, for me personally, it's the melody is something that 
it's it kind of helps the song to stick in my head and helps me remember the song and that's that's really what I groove to I mean it's the words are really important but for me if if the melody's not good at all the words could be amazing and I could probably care less I can see that and I think that's really like the melody is what gets stuck in your head afterwards and what keeps you humming it and coming back to the song. Yeah. I don't know. I guess for me, it depends on the genre a lot with a lot of rock. uh, What keeps me listening is the lyrics and I guess the lyrics combined with the melody. Like if it's good lyrics with a bad melody, I won't remember it, but that's what I would remember and keep singing. And that's what makes me want to go and learn how to play the song. Yep. So I, I know you play, you write and compose a lot of songs, but do you ever do covers? Maybe I, I know I don't think you've released any covers, but do you ever just for fun? Yeah. Learn how to play songs you like to listen to? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I did a lot of that today, actually, too. Um, but yeah, frequently, actually. Cool. So what are the songs that you like to cover typically in the same... <laughs> vein is what are your favorite songs or is it different stuff because i know sometimes yeah. people like to play things that are not in their typical not in their wheelhouse necessarily when listening but that provide like an interesting musical challenge yeah i kind of noticed that for myself um a lot of the you know i like reliant k and Alice city i think Alice city is probably the my favorite my favorite artist, Reliant K, is definitely not even coming close. It's probably like maybe t- number five on the list if I were to write a list. But um, but yeah, I do a lot of Reliant K, ironically, and um, Family of the Year, uh, Hero, which is the only song I really like of all their songs. It's it stands out like a thor- sore thumb for some reason. I don't know. I a lot of times I kind of expect to hit upon a good song and then say oh man this artist is amazing and go and check out their other songs and like them a lot too and I thought I would do that with this one but it didn't really I don't know maybe for other people but for me didn't really happen but yeah Family of the Year um, Hero and Reliant K Up and Up I like that song a lot Um, but yeah ironically not a lot of my favorite artists songs it's more stuff that I guess it might resonate with me in a different way it's not really stuff it's stuff that I would have fun actually playing because there's seems to be a difference between the stuff that you know I like listening to and the stuff that I like playing interesting I guess I've kind of noticed something similar with what I play myself I play the guitar for the listeners um I guess I forgot Zachary already knows that, but listeners may not. Um, so a lot of times, I guess the stuff that I play, it tends to be more bluegrass or folk or not that I'm good at it, but that tends to be more what I play just because a lot of my friends learned to play all that stuff growing up. And so I learned to play song or learned songs from them a lot of times or they'd point out a song and I'd be like, that sounds really interesting. I think I'd like to play that. And it may not even always be something that I would listen to all the time, but it'd be cool to go and play. Uh, I kind of wonder if some of that too, some of the reason why you don't end up 
playing your favorite songs necessarily. It has to do with like you have more room. You feel like you have more room to uh, mess with the formula with stuff that's not your favorite. Because yeah. I find sometimes like if you're playing your favorite song, you want it to sound exactly like the original, which doesn't really give you a whole lot of freedom to mess around. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you sense. feel the same way? Yeah. Yeah, that would... Yeah. I feel like with my favorite songs, a lot of the instruments meld together so perfectly that just playing on the guitar or the piano and as a, a background, it just doesn't doesn't cut it. That makes sense. Although sometimes it's interesting to play a song that's normally done with a full band, just with one guitar or with one piano. Sometimes it's, it can sound really cool. So I guess that's most of the music talk for this week. I'm sure we should save something for other weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, that moves us on to the other topic, which we discuss in this podcast, which is games. So I have a ton of things I've been playing this week, but I'm curious to see if you've been playing anything or... I have not. Actually... I I used to play, there was a couple games actually that I downloaded, Minecraft was one of them, and that game and I just downloaded like two weeks ago, and I've only played it a couple times, but um, yeah, Minecraft, and then I believe there was, there was another game, um, The Lord of the Rings Online, which... I've never played that, how is it? It's pretty good it's kind of long it's very it's um it's quest driven so all of the things that you know you you have to go through a series of quests and some of them you don't have to take and some of them you can but um in general you go through like i don't know 10 or 20 quests before you even like technically get started so, so that was, a typical MMO style game where it's kind of long form. You're expected to play it for very long periods yeah. of time. So you kind of level over time. Yep. yep. Okay. It's good. I mean, the graphics are decent and I, I'm not a big gamer, so I can't really say like as far as, you know, I can't compare to other games, but I kind of like it. Okay. I mean, I guess you know what the the things that you like about it are probably. Yes, probably. <laughs> I mean, the graphics are are probably not the thing that I really enjoy because um, they're not the best, and my computer doesn't have the best graphics. But um, but I I do like um, in general I, I like games that you can kind of advance and um, kind of the more you play the better you get and you encounter new challenges and stuff like that. So so how's the story in the game? Because I know. The Lord of the Rings in general, the main draw, typically, is the fantasy world that J.R.R. Tolkien created and all the characters that are populated in it. Is it based in the books a lot, or is it a lot of it is other stuff that's written? I, I think there's a lot of other things that are written, but um, it is based on the book, and it goes in chronological order. So, Oh, okay. So it, it kind of follows the story of The Lord of the Rings. Yep. Okay. It's interesting. A lot of times I know... With spinoff material, they like to add afterwards, you know, or you know, add things like, "Oh, here's what other characters were doing during the right. story that you already know." It's interesting. So, from like a player character perspective, are you one of the members of the fellowship, or are you 
other characters you just create your own or how does it work you do you i i believe you create um you basically can create any character that you want um and there's a lot of different options i didn't explore them too much at the beginning when i was just getting started but you can create i think i want to say up to two or as many characters as you want i forget but there's different you can create like you can either be a hobbit or a man or uh, whatever characters they had in the book um and yeah i mean what race did you choose i i think i chose man okay cool do you know what the differences between them were from like a a perk perspective did you get you know were you stronger as a man but more more of a rogue character as a hobbit or something like that do you know i don't think the quests change uh the quests change based off of um, I think there's many quests that change based off of your status. Like you can be a man hunter or a hobbit hunter, um, for example. And interesting. The uh, you'd still have the same hunter quests, but you'd have different advantages and disadvantages, as according to like strength and and such. You know, speed. Interesting. Do you level up your character like you would in a traditional RPG where you add points or is it just you get stronger over time, you get more health or something like that? It's, I believe it's points. It's just XP points and then, yeah. So do you have like a, do you have a tree like you would in Skyrim or something where you, you know, you choose, pick and choose skills you can kind of um, progress in specific ways or is it just, okay. It's actually, I think it's a lot like Skyrim. I've never played the game, but... Um, but I play, I play Lord of the Rings online with my, with some friends who live in California. So I don't, um, and I know that they, they play Skyrim sometimes too. So conversing back and forth, I kind of got that from him. Interesting. I remember we used to play, uh, back in the day, we'd play Civilization 4, I think. Yep. I don't think we ever finished a game of it. Yeah. I mean, it was tough. It was very long. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how long of a game Civilization is supposed to be, but I, I have Civilization Five. I still don't think I've ever finished a game of Civilization. Yeah, it's like I the don't. monopoly of computer games. I don't you really know if there's. Games. I I never really knew if there was an ending to the game, so I guess. I mean, it's not like Age of Empires where you kind of complete it in like few hours uh, i think it's okay so it's a 4x strategy instead of you know real-time strategy like age of empires is so it's meant to be more of a tactical uh, long-term game so you're supposed to work on building your civilization over you know, hundreds or thousands of years right. which is really cool but can take a long time i think there was one guy who actually ran his game of civilization three i think for years he just kept playing it and playing it and playing it he ended up in like the post-nuclear age and there was a <laughs> nuclear war and the the games can go on forever but technically there is a win condition you can take over the entire world take over all the other civilizations or you can you know defeat them all something to that effect but i've never actually done it because most of the times that i've played civilization four i just played the demo which gave you like was yep. it 30 turns or yep. something? Yeah, 20 turns so, or something, yeah. 
Yeah. So, and that was almost more fun because it was like, okay, let's see how far I right. can get <laughs> in only 20 turns, which is a really interesting, it was an interesting limitation. I'd almost be curious to see if somebody could do a similar, like a mod for Civilization Five or something that would limit you to a certain amount of time or a certain amount of turns or something. Just, just because yeah. that was the way I always used to play it. That's where it, why that's how I thought it was fun. No, so that. I remember I used to play Age of Empires a lot. Did you ever Age of Empires? play Age of Empires? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was like my favorite game. That was pretty much the, yeah. That If there was any game that I, I played a lot, and that was the game. And it was, I want to say Age of Empires. I first got exposed to Age of Empires 2. I was at my cousin's house in, I think it was, yeah, it was in Canada. And I really liked it a lot. And then I went back home, and my mom, my mom bought me Age of Empires One, which it's not called that, but um, it's completely different. And when I started, I don't think I've even played Age of yeah, Empires One. It's it's kind of the Roman Greek era. It's a little bit before medieval times. Oh okay. Yeah. So it's. it's so did you typically play Age of Empires Two? Is that what you were introduced to? That was what I was introduced to. So when I got the first one, then I was kind of kind of surprised and then kind of like why can't I do certain things that I used to be able to do and um, I couldn't figure out why until I realized that it was the first one instead of the second Um, but but yeah and then I got three I never got two but I got I got the third one and that one um, it was just not the same for me I didn't enjoy it as much because there was a lot more I guess there was just a lot more things that you can do, so it focused a lot more on the, I guess more of a, almost like a turn-based strategy, because um, it took time for you to level up and, and get for the road. <clears throat> There's like the... I mean, it did in two also, but it was a lot more economic-based, if I remember correctly, because yep. I played the most of Age of Empires 3, um, and I didn't get Age of Empires 2 until this year, I think. Oh, I yeah. A little bit of that. Uh, I think it was a lot more based on, like, you could win purely economically, and I don't remember if you could do that in the second one. No, you can Yeah, so you could, I forget how it was. In certain game modes, I think if you, there were trading posts, which were basically just these uh, empty build places for buildings along a road yep. through the middle of each map, and you could build trading posts there. And I, if I remember correctly, if you built a, if you owned all of the trading posts on all of the, you know, sites on the road, you would win. But I don't think I've ever won like that. I think I've only won with an army. Really? Okay, I've I've had the opportunity to win that way, and I was disappointed because I wanted to build my army and stuff, and I I got trading posts. So, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I the last time I played Agent of Virus 3 was as a kid. So I, I never even thought about the actual strategy of it. And I've never been good at real-time strategy games, which I realized when I tried to play Age of Empires 2 against people who were actually really <laughs> good at it and was just destroyed by the AI. And oh, yeah. the people, like, I played on the same team with other people, so it was like co-op and just always not good at it. Really? I think most of the time what I enjoyed about it as a kid was just building an army. Okay. It's like, yeah, I can build an army. And so I would... I think a lot of times I would start in the, I would set the starting age as the newest one so I didn't have to worry about the economic stuff. 
and then play as um, Ottomans, which bas- essentially would give you. So you have to train settlers. Yeah. To and they go out and do various tasks for you. They collect resources and stuff. So most of the time you have to manually hit the button to create new settlers, and that uses up resources. And if you play as the Ottomans, you automatically get a new settler every couple minutes. Right. So you don't have to worry about that at all. And if I remember correctly, they don't take up any space either. No, they do. Oh, they do? Yeah, that's the annoying part. Because eventually you have to start, like, killing your settlers off because you can't build a large enough army. Or what you do is you just, like, take a bunch of them and ask them to, like, go into the battlefield and build, like, a one of those um, sentry posts. I don't know what they're called, but yeah. I think that, I think that is what they're called. Yeah, so we, they would die off, but you'd go and build and kind of accomplish two things at the same time. As sad I feel like as there might have been a perk that lets you convert them into Minutemen, or was that another... Uh, I don't know, I think that was a, um, a the British. faction perk. I think the British, yeah. I think so. It was an interesting game. I used to play that with my brother a lot, but I don't think I've played it at all recently. So I guess I should talk about what I've been playing this week and not what I was playing <laughs> 10 years sure, ago. <laughs> uh, so this week I've been playing mostly The Witcher 3. Okay. Which is a uh, new RPG by CD Projekt Red. So it's a you know set in a fantasy world, mostly medieval, with magic elements you play as a uh, Geralt of Rivia who's a witcher which basically it's like if you combined a Jedi with the character from Lord of the Rings with one of the Ghostbusters is essentially what it is he's a witchers in this world are characters that have some magical powers but not much so their magical powers are roughly equivalent to what a Jedi has so he can push people back he can light things on fire. He can create a shield around himself to shield himself from arrows and uh, sword attacks and stuff like that. And then he can do like basically a Jedi mind trick on people and um, convince them of pretty much whatever he wants. But it's interesting because the way the game is written, it's written in a very, um, well, it's very well written. It's, most of the world building revolves around the fact that there's a war going on and there's a lot of political intrigue and drama going on. But instead of doing what most games do and say, you're the chosen one, you're the one who's going to resolve this war and you get to pick a side and all that like Skyrim does. Mm -hmm. You're just a normal character in the world and you're a normal character who is a witcher and witchers are looked down upon by all the rest of the classes in that world because witchers are uh, considered mutants because most normal people can't do magic. And so the only reason why people don't, you know, kill you is because A, you're really powerful, and B, there are all these monsters in the world, and they kind of need you to help get rid of those monsters. So a lot of the game revolves around either doing, you know, main story missions or doing you know, Witcher contracts, which is basically, uh, that's the ghost-busting portion of it. You know, there's a ghost in this house. This house is haunted. And so somebody will be like, I will pay you 100 gold, if you'll go get rid of this ghost. So you'll go there and you'll have to search around and figure out why is this ghost haunting this place and what what do I need to do to get rid of it and you usually end up fighting it. Or sometimes you don't end up fighting it. You do things like um, 
you know, there's a reason why they're hanging around here because they died in a certain way. In order to resolve the reason why they're still here, you can do X, Y, Z, or you can just fight it. And so you get to choose whether you want to help them or just fight them. But one of the most inter- interesting things about the way the game is set up is it deals with player choice in a really interesting way. Most games like Mass Effect and stuff like that, you get these really binary choices. You choose the good choice, you choose the evil choice. And if you choose the good choices, mostly you get the good ending. If you choose bad choices, mostly you get the bad ending. The Witcher 3 and and The Witcher 2 also are not really like that so much. So it's interesting because mostly the, the choices in The Witcher, instead of just being you choose the good choice or the evil choice, a lot of times it's you choose a seemingly neutral choice, but that's probably going to have a bad um, a bad effect, or you choose another seemingly neutral choice, which may have a worse effect. And you don't always know the outcome of your actions, and they tend to factor into things later that you wouldn't think that they would factor into. So an example is spoilers for The Witcher 3. If you're planning on playing it, skip ahead like 15 seconds. Um, there's a point where you're supposed to... there. You come upon someone who's been uh, attacked, and they're dying and there's like a medic there nearby and they say you know i can't save this person can you do anything to help them and all you can do is you can brew a witcher potion and give it to them the problem is witcher potions you know they'll heal witchers but most normal people can't handle the witcher potion so either you leave them as they are and they're gonna die in their sleep in peace but they're gonna die you for sure Or you can give them the potion, and it'll either heal them, or they'll die in terrible pain, much worse than could have happened. And that's how the choice is presented to you. So in my playthrough, I chose to give them the potion anyway, hoping that it would save them. And they lived, but they went crazy. Wow. So, And I haven't seen if that's affected anything later down the line, but a lot of choices like that will come back. Like Either someone will be like, oh, I saw that you tried to help this person and, you know, I liked that, so I'm going to help you now. Or they'll be like, you drove this person crazy. I'm going to try to kill you right now or I'm going to actively work against you in this other quest line. Ah, uh, wow. It, it's just, it's very interesting. Also, the game, like, from a graphic standpoint, is beautiful. I don't know if it'll hold up years down the line. It looks great right now. But it, it it's it's one of the few games, especially RPGs, where I have actually wanted not to fast travel and to actually just walk around the world because they put a ton of work into foliage and weather effects and like uh, at one time I just sat and watched the sunset in the game because it was so beautiful wow the art direction was amazing so and the voice acting and stuff like that's pretty good across the board too it's really solid nice I noticed I played The Witcher 2 also about a year ago it came out five or six years ago and i noticed that the combat is a lot better than the second one it feels really good it's all real time not all rpgs are real time but this one's uh it's you know just third person real time combat so it's, it's a lot of you know dodging or blocking and then counter attacking which i don't normally like but it's done well enough here that it's a lot of fun So I think that's about all I have on that. 
I think that's all I've been playing this week because I don't remember playing anything else. Oh, wait, no, I did. I played um, Earthcore. Have you ever played Earthcore? I have not. Okay, so Earthcore is a CCG, so it's a collectible, collectible card game. Okay. Um, so if you played anything like Hearthstone or... Um, I'm blanking on other CCGs because I don't play a lot of CCGs. But basically the way it works, if you don't know what CCGs are, is you just, you, as you play the card game, you eventually collect cards, use them to build a deck, and then at the beginning of each game, you are, you draw like the first five cards of your deck. And those are your cards for the game. So you put as many good cards as you can in the deck, and as you win games, you collect more cards. Okay. I think in this case, you either buy more cards or buy booster packs, which you don't know what kinds of cards they're going to have in it, or you win cards by playing through a story mode. So the way the basic gameplay works is it's like a rock, paper, scissors kind of thing. So you have three elements. You have fire, water, and earth. And so um, water beats fire. Fire burns earth. And then I think earth beats water. I don't actually remember, but you play, you play like one person will play a card on one side. You play your card on the other side and you have three sets of cards and whoever comes out on top wins that round. And so each card you play has a risk factor. So it'll have a number on it. that says like six. And so that's the risk factor. So better cards have higher risk factors, which means when you lose that risk factor is taken away from your hit points. So uh, if you lose all your hit points, you lose the match. Okay. So if you so there's kind of a disadvantage to always playing a better card then. Yeah, it seems pretty balanced. So the thing is that risk factor doesn't factor into, no pun intended, doesn't factor into um, whether you win or not. How whether you win each column right. is based solely on the element. What determines a card being better or worse is the abilities they have on it. So you have some abilities like um, some of the abilities change the element of the card opposite to you. Some of them will let you swap cards, so you can play cards that don't match in front of a, another card that would normally lose and then change what kind of card your card is, or swap places or anything like that, which will let you win. So you can know, all sorts of cool stuff. But it's a... I don't really like CCGs, but this one I may keep playing because it's, it's interesting. It's, it's one of those things you can just sit down and play for a couple minutes. It's pretty quick. Yeah, it sounds fun. Yep, I don't have you played any CCGs? I I mean other than like something like a like a game of war or something, no. I haven't played Game of War, so I don't really have any frame of reference for that. Just the card game. Oh, you mean like war yep. war or game of war? Okay. I've definitely played war. It is it's just a normal card game. It's not really a CCG. Although that would be an interesting way to approach war be interesting might have to try that sometime but yeah it's the same basic concept um i guess pokemon is a really popular example of a ccg you got to collect them all and then you use them to battle but i've also never played that yeah same here sadly i think i wasn't allowed to when i was a kid although my younger siblings have played it extensively now oh really 
Yeah, ain't that the way it goes? <laughs> yep. All right. Anyway, we are nearing the end of the podcast. So I think we'll move on to the topic of the week, which may be far too broad for the amount of time we have left, but we'll give it a shot anyway. Let's do it. All right. So the topic for this week is what is the purpose of music in general? Is it to provide enjoyment for the listener? Is it to provide an outlet for the artist's feelings and point of view? Is it to convince people? Is it to provide an argument? You know, what do you think? Mm. Man, I think we we kind of have to like do part two like next week because this is kind of this is definitely a broad broad topic. But um, mm. I definitely like the type of music that I resonate resonate to is definitely the the music that people write for kind of write to themselves. I think a lot of music, um, and a lot of music can be adv- advice. A lot of music can be kind of like reflecting on past experiences and trying to like maybe tell themselves something, you know? Um, but I, I see that a lot with Reliant K. Um, but then the other music I see, like, it's just, it's just kind of, kind of musing and, um, really like contemplating life in general um and i i feel like art is kind of just a contemplation of life it's kind of an expression of what we as humans are and how we see the world um and it can we can see it through different lenses um and that's where we get our different forms of art but yeah so i guess would you say it's somewhat of a, a combination of different factors or it could be different things in different situations? Yeah, I, I see um, I see a lot of that. I see, like, I know there's a lot of, like, I don't listen to any political music, but I know there's a lot out there, or at least a little bit. I've heard about it. Um, and that's kind of like preaching a little bit in a way, I think. And... Um, but, but I think the the really popular music is the stuff that that people resonate to um, as kind of a I don't know I think art kind of just connects with with what it's expressing. So uh, if you if you're really feeling a certain way, then the art that you're going to connect to is going to be the art that expresses what you feel. So if if you connect to a lot of political music, then I guess you'd feel, you know, really, um, strong, strongly about your political views, I guess. I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah. So would you say that, um, some types of art have more value than others? Like art, would you say something like, art written for oneself or art written for an audience would have more value than art written to you know, convince someone or change their mm. mind or vice versa, or are they equal? Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, that's a hard question. I've kind of gone back and forth on that for a while, but um, for me, I kind of personally believe that art is 
it's hard to, to put a bias on art. And the only bias that you can put on is your own and then the bias of the majority. So if somebody, if most people um, don't like a certain type of music, which is kind of hard to know, but if they don't, then you could call it bad music. But yet there have been so many occasions where the, the thing that was the most hated or the most disliked at a certain time became the most popular at, you know, in the future, years later. So it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, it's, I think it's really all relative. There's not really any like specific, I think, I think if you're writing music for other people, I don't think that's a good practice for the artist, but if you're looking at it objectively from an audience's point of view and saying, you know, what is good music, I think if it connects with you, you know, it's something that the artist wrote and it's, it's an expression of a feeling and emotion, then, um, then yeah, it's, it's good music. So would you say that the best kinds of art are the kinds of art that express things that many people are feeling? including the author of the art? Um, it's, it's just hard to say. Like, I think that, that you, could, you could say that, but uh, at the same time, um, you know, like the things that everybody feels are the most basic things. So I guess the talent, and, and the, the talent lies in, in actually being able to express fully a, a basic emotion like love um, and making it you know resonate with a lot of people I guess at the end of the day art just is another form of expression right yeah pretty much what, what are your thoughts man I think since we're closing on the end of time I may save my thoughts for next week's podcast all right that way we can leave on a cliffhanger. <laughs> and that way we don't run out of time. So, any final thoughts before we go? I'm just really happy we're doing this. I think it's cool to do podcasts and stuff. I have no idea how it's going to turn out when I listen to it again. But, um, but yeah, for a first podcast, I'd say this is pretty good. Cool. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to do this. I've been planning to start a podcast for some time and hadn't really had any ideas of what to do. So I'm glad we were able to finally get around to it. Yeah. So for the listeners, this podcast should be available every Thursday on uh, the website collectednonsense.com or hopefully on iTunes. We'll see if we can get it up there. And I may post it to SoundCloud as well. I'll cool. have more details once I actually get them all figured out. Um, I'm still a little bit behind. So I apologize for any audio inconsistencies or problems today. Yes. We're get, still getting everything set up. and But overall, uh, so far, it sounds like it's been a decent first podcast. So until next week. <laughs>